Well, Happy New Year, everybody. You know, uh, just thinking about this message today. By the way, I'm Daniel. If you don't know me, I'm part of the pastoral team and uh, get to lead in the area of, of the generations, children, and youth. And it's just an honor. It's a privilege. And from time to time, I get to teach, which is awesome. It's one of my passions, one of my desires. But, you know, I was thinking about this first Sunday p.m. of 2021. And you can't start out without, first of all, giving giving God all the glory, giving God all the thanks, because despite of 2020, despite of what that might have affected you, um, the reality is that God is faithful, and God is good, and, and there is no circumstance, there is no uh, good thing or bad thing that determines who his character is. He is good, even whether we feel like it is going good or going bad, God is still good, and we serve a good God. And I want to start out by saying thank you to Jesus. You know, thank you to Jesus. It's a a powerful statement, and it's it's deeper than what we think. But when we give our thanks and we give our praise to Jesus, even in the middle of something that is called a pandemic, something that is chaotic, something that is confusing, something that is hurtful and hard, and there is loss and tragedy, and there might be some differences, different opinions, divisions, God is still good. God is still faithful. And the spirit of God is still moving in this place. And if you, are, if you would just be sensitive enough to open your ears and to open your heart and say, Lord, what are we doing this year? What's next for me this year? What are you doing, Holy Spirit, so that I can team up with you and so that we can build the kingdom of God together in this place? So, new year. How many of you guys have heard this, uh, this saying? New year, new me. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that before. New Year, New Me was very popular, and now, you know, you hear it, and some people have some negative things to say about it. Uh, Regardless of what you think about it, you know what I think is important is maybe rather than saying New Year, New Me, it should say something like New Year, still growing me. Still growing me. New Year, maybe going to step into some new things, me, this year. New, new, New Year is a new opportunity to reflect but also to set aside uh, some, some time to pray, to seek God, and to, and to really align our hearts into what he's calling us to do. Think about New Year's. You think about goals. You think about resolutions. I think some of the common goals, I didn't look this up. I don't, I don't think this is official. This is just something that I thought about, that I hear often, that I see often is uh, losing weight is a, is a common goal. Losing weight. Uh, getting more knowledge and, get, and reading more books. You know, I think that's always one of my personal goals is to read some more books this year. The Bible says in Proverbs that the wise store up knowledge. So that's a good goal. Uh, here's another goal that I've, I've seen and I've heard is uh, uh, my goal this year is to stop sinning and, and stop doing that same sin that I've been doing. Or maybe it's to be a better parent. Maybe it's to be a better spouse. Maybe it's to be a better neighbor and a better witness to those who are in front of you. I'd like to submit this idea to you tonight that maybe the goal or the resolution that we have shouldn't be to become a better version of yourself. But maybe it should be to just continue to grow into the person, into the man or the woman that God has called you and designed you to become. You know, it's not contradictory. It's not this or that, it's, but, but rather it's, it's better alignment. It's better alignment. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you 
completely. Underline that word, completely. Remember that word, completely. And it says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Within this teaching, there's a revelation that is given here that there's a spirit, soul, body aspect to who we are. And I think when we think about, you know, what's healthy and what's, what's you know, what we ought to do and what we ought to put our emphasis and our focus on, uh, there's a lot of emphasis on the soul part, which the Bible teaches in different areas and aspects that your soul is your emotions and your will and your mind. There's a, definitely a lot of focus and investment on the body side. I'm going to get in shape. I want to get healthy. I want to eat right. I want to stop eating bad. I want to, I want to be around and stick around as grandparents to see my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And those are wonderful goals. But when your spirit is in front and when your spirit is growing and when your spirit is sensitive to the voice of God, the rest is blessed. It's not to say that just because... You know, your spirit is growing and you're coming to church and you're doing these things that are, that are good to your spirit that you forsake eating well or, or, or reading and, and obtaining knowledge. It's not to say that, but it's rather to say that you're really setting yourself up for success. A couple of scriptures that come to mind, Proverbs 4.20 says, uh, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are, what are his words and his sayings, are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Another, another translation says, literally says that his words, his sayings are medicine to your body. They're medicine to your body. You see, spirit, soul, body. When we, when we focus so much on the body and we forsake the spirit, there's, there's, an, a, there's a misalignment that happens, but when you're focused on your spirit, you're not neglecting your soul or your body, but rather you're setting yourself up to live with a purpose and to have the motivation that you need and the inspiration that you need and the self-control that you need to better your body. And not only that, but the Bible says that his words and his sayings are medicine to your, to your flesh. Every time you read the word of God, you are, you are taking medicine into your body, into all of your flesh. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. It's alignment. And your mind is part of your soul. And we can... You know, focus on, on mental health, and I think that's important, especially today in a society in a time where there's just a spike of anxiety and depression and fears. But the Bible says that perfect peace comes when your mind is stayed on him, on the Lord, and when you trust him. That's spiritual, and that leads into a healthy soul. So I'm talking tonight about spiritual growth. I want to challenge and I want to, wherever your goals are, wherever you are at right now in your relationship with Jesus and in your goals for this, in this near future, may our spirit man, may our focus and emphasis and time and investment, may our spirit come in front of our soul and our body as far as health, as far as growth, as far as investment goes. Um, couple points about uh, spiritual growth here is, here's point number one if you're taking notes, the food to spiritual growth 
is scripture. The food to spiritual growth is scripture. Uh, there's, there's no way around growing spiritually uh, by going around the word of God. It's impossible. You can't say to yourself, this year I'm going to grow. I'm going to become a, a, a disciple, a better disciple. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to grow in my knowledge of, of, of who God is and who he's called me to be and put this aside and say I'm going to continue to grow. It's impossible. This is, this is food. Just like anything that is, that is living, anything that, that is healthy, it requires food. It requires nutrients. Your body, your physical body requires food. Uh, plants require nutrients from the soil and so on. And what's nutrients for your spirit is scripture. First Peter, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says, I'm going to read this in the uh, Passion Translation. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Strong for life. I, I love this illustration here. I love this picture here. We have a six-month-old uh, at home, little Danny, Daniel Jr. And he's six months, and he still super craves milk, like a lot. But especially so when he was just day, hours old, minutes old, days old, uh, weeks old. There's just this amazing uh, craving, this amazing intensity, you can say, that a newborn baby has for milk. And that picture that, that, that is given here by Peter is the same intensity, the same tenacity that he's saying that we need to have towards the scripture so that we can grow. So that we can grow spiritually. Uh, I'm convinced that uh, there is no stronger Drive no more tenacious, no other tenacious drive that is stronger than a newborn baby for milk. It's just an amazing thing. It's it's really a miracle when you look at how how birth you know is and how the miracle of a baby and even after birth how how the baby knows that it's it, they they need something and it's not just a something that when you're born it's like okay we're good we did it we made it you're alive I'm alive we're good to go no there's there's something that needs to happen right away and and, and this baby it's, it's a couple things about this that i believe is parallel to what we need to know and we we need to come to terms with with our spiritual growth is that number 1 is it's innate it's innate. It is something that is inside. It is something that God has placed inside a baby that for them, they are ready to, to, to have this desire for milk. It is, their life depends on it. And it's within them. It's inside of them. And I believe that that is true for us spiritually. And you know what I want to do with that truth is I want to kick every religious thought and every religious spirit out when it comes to reading the Bible to, to tell you that you were made to crave scripture. You were made to, to, to have a relationship with God's word. You were made to know what God has for, to reveal to you in your life. And you were made to, to, to eat spiritually from the word of God. And many times we miss that because we put like a religious uh, lens over it. We put like this, oh, I got I to gotta read the word. I got to read the Bible. I gotta, and I haven't read the Bible in a long time. And so it becomes like this, this condemning idea. And, and, and the more you allow that condemnation to set in, the more you push this away. And the more you starve your spirit 
of what is needed, of what it's crying for, of what God has placed inside of you so that you can grow, so that you can live and have a strong life. It's innate. It is inside of you. And when you surrender to that truth and you realize that God has placed a healthy craving for Scripture inside of me, and when you yield to that, I believe you will then enjoy and then develop a healthy craving to the Scripture. I think the second thing that's interesting about this illustration that, that, that Peter gives about a, a newborn baby is that the stronger the craving is, the more milk is given. And the more milk that is produced and the more milk is given, the more the baby grows. It's just a natural cycle. And I believe that's true spiritually. You know, I think when we set goals for ourselves and when we think about where we want to be in life, I think we take leaps. And we say, man, I wish I would read the Bible an hour a day or more. And I wish I would know X amount of scriptures. And we have this huge gap from where we are to where we see ourselves and where we want to be. But I want to tell you tonight that craving, a healthy craving grows into a stronger craving. And it might be as simple as just setting something that is reachable and attainable for ourselves to say that, no matter what it is, the Bible doesn't say two chapters is needed for, for your spiritual growth and for your medicine. It just says scripture. It says, it says my sayings and my words are life. It says, you know, to have this craving to, to the scripture. So it could be literally a verse. Just know that what you are reading is life-giving. And it's nourishing to your spirit. And as you develop and as you, as you, as you seek that craving, you develop that craving. And that craving becomes greater. And the little bit of knowledge and the little bit of revelation that you would attain from that small craving begins to flow more. Just like from a woman as, as the baby is requiring and desiring more milk. More milk is produced and more milk is given and they grow. I believe it's true for our, 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 our seeking of the scriptures and our reading and our, our uh, intaking of the scriptures. I believe God downloads some more to you. I believe you get to kind of hear his voice a little more clearly. I believe you attain more wisdom. You know, the Bible says that wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is, age doesn't guarantee wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so it, it, it strengthens us. It gives us wisdom. We become more purposeful. If you are serious about growing spiritually, you have to get serious about getting in his word. You have to get serious about the scripture without a religious uh, feel about it. But a, 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 a God-given desire and that you, if you have not tapped into yet is there and just waiting for you. And there's an invitation from God to, to just feel this out and to experience true life. True life. You know, we're all on different levels with this. And for some here or for, for some listening online, uh, God, is, God is calling to you. He's, he's inviting you to, to, to either start something new or to go deeper. Maybe you've already had this, this, you know, oh, I got that down. Yeah, I read the Bible every morning. I wake up. Maybe God's calling you to, to remind you not to loosen your grip on, on, on this 
Maybe God is talking to you and saying, hey, that scripture that you're putting in, you know, you got to meditate on that scripture. That is, the, that is spiritual warfare for you. Maybe God is just calling you to further the growth from the word of God to your spirit. Dig in, put some scripture in front of you, and meditate on God's word. So the first truth that I wanted to share is the, the food to spiritual growth is scripture. Second point, if you're taking notes, the hindrance to spiritual growth is sin. To anything good, to anything healthy, there's opposition. How many of you guys know that? To anything good that's, that, 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 is, that is true, that is, that is healthy, there's, there's always opposition. And to spiritual growth, the opposition that, that comes against you uh, is sin. And that's because it is, it is, is opposition to God. It is opposition to the relationship of God. 1 Peter 1.1, which is the scripture right before this uh, verse 2 about, about craving spiritual milk. Peter says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Uh, another translation says, abandon these things or set aside these things. Sin opposes God, and when we sin... We invite opposition towards God in our hearts, and it, and it hinders us. It slows us down. It hinders our relationship with Jesus. You know, when we, when we talk about sin, you know, uh, different things come to mind, right? It's like, you know, whoa, uh, what's going on in my life? What do I know? And, 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 you know, sometimes you can get defensive, and sometimes it's like, man, what's, what, what is he, where is he going to go with this? I think, I think there's a couple Things and extremes that I've seen, that I've been, you know, taught over my, my, my life in church. And I think there's just a couple things that are off balance that I'd like to speak into. And then also just share what I believe is, 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 is important for us to know about sin. The, the, the thing that I've heard that is just an extreme is that uh, there's this don't sin approach. And it's like this, this, you know, things that you hear that command you not to sin. And if you sin, then there's something wrong with you. And if you have a bad desire, then you're, you're messed up, man. You're like, no one else has that desire. And you're the only one that thinks those things and that desires those things. And there's something wrong with you. And so you, you got to abstain from it. And you got to do everything that you can in your natural ability not to sin. And I believe that's just a wrong approach because what that does is it leads you into guilt it leads you into condemnation. It eventually leads you to, to giving in and accepting that this lie that this is just the way it is and sin is stronger than I am and I can never overcome this. And then you just allow it to, to, to stay here. And this hindrance just has its place and takes its anchor in your spiritual growing journey. I think the other extreme, the other approach that I've seen that is again an extreme not, not necessarily correct, is that sin is never mentioned, sin is never discussed, sin is never taught, and sin is never, even from us, learn, uh, we're never learning about the impact of sin in our lives. And when I mean that, I don't mean the term sin, that we, ne we never say the word sin, but I mean what is, uh, what is sin and things that pertain to sin. So one approach is, all about sin and sin is in front of you and all you is like, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to try not to do that. And you, and you fail. The other approach is I'm not even going to think about it. And I'm, I don't think that it has any importance to me. And I don't think there's any opposition to me. And yet there is this sin problem. 
I believe there's both leave sin untouched and hinder our spiritual growth. I believe the balance is a couple things. Is the, first bound, the first thing, the first truth here is that at the core of our belief system, we need to align our faith with what God's word says about it. And here's what God's word says about it. Romans 6 uh, verse 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. It's talking to Christians. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Chapter 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Some of us need to hear that tonight, that we are no longer slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 14. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Your identity is not in what you do or what you don't do. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus he has made you an overcomer. In Christ Jesus and through Christ you can do all things. In Christ Jesus, he has made you the head and not the tail. In Christ Jesus, you are blessed coming in and blessed going out. In Christ Jesus, you are a son. You are a daughter. And you belong to the house and to the family of God. And we have to have this mind shift. We have to repent of sin. Which the word repent literally means to change your mind. To change your mind. And before we can stop sinning, we have to change what we believe about sin. And the thing that we need to believe about sin is that sin shall not be your master. That you are not a slave to sin. And, and we have to get this picture out of our mind that, that, that sin is this huge thing, that this huge giant that cannot be uh, uh, taken out and removed from my life. And I just got to figure something out around this. I don't believe that that's what Jesus meant when he called us to become more than an overcomer. I think the second thing about sin that we need to know and realize in, in terms of this being the hindrance to our spiritual growth is that although the battle is won, we still need to fight. So we, 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 we take this approach that, that, you know, sin is defeated, sin is conquered in my life, but it doesn't mean that I do nothing about it. Uh, Pastor Daniel Vanderklok taught a couple weeks ago, and he taught about this. He taught about how the children of Israel, they were promised the promised land, but they still had to come around the walls and still had to do something about it. You know, uh, there, there are promises that belong to us. There are truths that belong to us that we need to believe and we need to receive, but that we still need to fight the good fight of faith with. That we still need to exercise and we still need to know who we are and who we belong to and what we need to do about it. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Or another version says entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. 
it shows a picture of a race. It shows a picture of a path. It shows a picture of we're going from here to here to here. There's a purpose. There is a process. There is a spiritual journey. There is a growth. And in that process, there are weights that will slow you down. And there is sin that will trip you up. And sin that will try to keep you from growing and keep you from doing what God has called you to do. But as we shift our mind and say, okay, I'm not a slave to sin. Uh, Jesus has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. But I have a responsibility I had to continue to grow and to understand that there is opposition to what God has given me. And I have a responsibility to continue to be spiritually healthy and to continue to feed on this so that I don't allow sin to trip me up. So I don't allow sin to stop what God has given to me for his kingdom. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. I remember in Bible school hearing the story of a person that came up after church to talk to the pastor. And they said, Pastor, pray for me. And uh, the pastor said, what, what do I pray about? And he said, well, God knows. And he says, well, I need to know so that I can believe God for you and so that I can pray with you. And they finally said, okay. He said, I'm struggling with this and I'm just praying. Can you tell God to take this sin away and, and to, I don't, never want to have this desire. I never want to have this struggle ever again. And I'm paraphrasing that. And so the pastor started praying without saying anything, without teaching anything. And I said, God, I pray that you would take this person right now. May they just leave their body, die, and wake up in your presence. In Jesus' name, the guy's like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa, whoa. I, I'm not trying to die. I, I just said that I don't want to have this sin issue anymore. I don't want to have this feeling and have to fight sin. And that led to a teaching moment from this pastor to say, as long as you are in this body, you have a flesh. And as long as you have a flesh, there is a carnal desire that always opposes the things of the spirit. And you have to know that there is a war inside of you. And the way you defeat this is found in here. It's not... I've talked to people who are 60 years old that are dealing with the same lust that they used to deal with a long time ago. It's not that it will grow out of you. It is when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the promise. That's the, that's the scripture. That is the word. To say, when I yield to the spirit of God, then I yield to my spirit man getting stronger. And when my spirit is stronger and when my spirit dominates who I am and my thoughts and my desires, then it dominates my beliefs and my actions. My actions that produce. The Bible says that when you are tempted to never say that you're tempted by God because God does not tempt nor is he tempted. But we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires. And it's at that moment where you realize who's really in control. And so I think it's not enough to just know that God and Jesus has, has given you the victory. I think many of us are there. I think we need to know that there is something to do about it. And it's, again, it is not a religious thing. It is a freedom thing. It is a connection thing. It is a spiritual thing. 
It is a relationship thing to know that you are a child of God and he has called you into a victorious life and you can attain that and you can do that as you yield. Here's the good news. Is that God has not called us into perfection. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not perfection that gives us growth. It is us knowing what to do with sin that causes growth. And we abstain sin, but we're not perfect. And when we do sin, Jesus says that we can come to him and confess our sins to him so that we can be forgiven. And that's a wonderful promise. That's a wonderful promise. First uh, John 1, 9 says, well, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, for us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. So the food to spiritual growth is scripture. The hindrance to spiritual growth is sin. The purpose to spiritual growth, you know, I've thought about this. And, I'm, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know if it's up yet, but it says it's to, to serve. And I'm like, I believe it's to serve. And I saw it and I loved it because my, my points had S, S, and S. And I, I, I think that's awesome. I love it so I can remember. And so I can teach it that way. But you think about... You know, the purpose of spiritual growth, you can talk about how it's to become mature, you know, spiritually mature. And I believe that's true. Or it's to become more like Jesus, to become like Christ, to be one in Christ. And I believe that's true. But ultimately, why do we need to grow spiritually? Why do we need to, uh, why do we desire spiritual maturity? Why do we desire to be more like Jesus? It's to make an impact. It's to serve. It's to, it's to get somewhere in life so that you can give something to somebody in front of you. Hebrews 5 verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. I believe the craving for milk needs to increase, but the milk at some point needs to, you need, your, your spiritual diet needs to at some point introduce some solid food. And the writer of Hebrews is, is challenging and coming and giving this strong word to say, you know, by this time you ought to be teachers, by this time you ought to be giving, you ought to be instructing, you ought to be serving in a special way, but instead you're still having to be served more than what you are giving. In other words, there's a purpose to your spiritual maturity. You know, I think about the scripture. Uh, it talks about when someone sins and someone falls, and it says, it says, those who are spiritual restore such a one. Those who are spiritually like strong, those who are spiritually mature. If there's anything that we ought to do to someone who has sinned, who has fallen, who is, who is struggling, it's not to judge, it's not to point, it's not to, it's not to you know, do any of those things, but rather to help and extend and serve. Those who are spiritual, the reason we, we, we seek spiritual maturity is so that we can reach a hand and get somebody who has fallen and pick them back up and remind them who they are and who they belong to and encourage them. This is what the kingdom is all about. This is what I believe God has called us to do. This is why we read. This is why we pray. This is why we seek the Lord. This is why we grow. 
Think about just that little list that I read in the beginning about losing weight, about uh, getting smarter, reading more books or whatever. Uh, Whatever that might be, I'd like you to just try this out, this little uh, exercise. If you would, just close your eyes and think about what it is that you want to do or maybe even become this year and fill that in. Maybe it's, man, I want to I wanna get stronger. I want to be more physically fit. I want to um, read the Bible more, whatever that might look like. It might be that list that I, I talked about. Maybe it's something totally different. But when you have that, I want you to ask this question to yourself. Why do you want that? I'd like to invite the worship team up at this time, too. Why do we want that? Why do we want to reach these things and better ourselves and be that better parent or whatever it might be? And I believe it's because God has called us to be purposeful and not just to get to a place of spiritual growth so that we can say we made it or so that we can say we're better was that we can say we're better off so that I can help somebody who's still in the process. I want to share with you this scripture. You can open your eyes now if you like. This scripture that has really spoken to me in this ministry that I get to be a part of with children and youth. I love this scripture, and I believe it's a staple scripture for children's ministry, both at church and at home. But I believe out of this scripture, there's a truth that is very important. And it's in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 6. It says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So it, it talks about your children and parents and children. There's something amazing here. That is, that is such a truth to who we are and what we have to offer. You know, I think, talk about spiritual growth, you talk about, you know, doing something great. And, and, and you talk about serving, you know, you talk about giving something that's valuable and important. I don't think there's anything more greater of a call than family, than being a parent. You know, I used to think that this was the greatest thing ever, to come up and be behind, be behind a pulpit and do a teaching in front of a group. It's like, wow, I made it. That's amazing. Like, I'm doing something for the kingdom. I don't think that anymore. I think it's amazing I get to be up here and share my heart, maybe stir you up. But I think it's even more powerful when you can be the spouse God has called you to be, when you can be the parent that God has called you to be. And and the Bible says that we have this task to to give something to to our children. We have this responsibility to pass something down, to give something to them. Otherwise, it's lost. Otherwise, they don't get it. It comes from you. There's something that we ought to get and reach so that we can give and leave. And the, the, the key to that is that it's got to be in your heart. That's what verse 6 says. Let these things be in your heart. And when they're in your heart, you can teach them and you can speak of them. 
And you can do something with it. God's calling us to serve. And it might look like at home to serve, to grow, to get in the word, to repent, to be that parent God's called you to be. It might look like here. It might look like opening a door for somebody who's coming to church for the first time. It might look like sitting in front of a student and having a discussion about the Bible. It might look like a lot of different things. But I want to encourage you to step into what God is calling you to do. Take the next step. What is the next step that God is calling you to take? What is the next step? Not the leap, not the huge gap that you got to fill. What's the next step that God is calling you to take? And take it and know that God is with you. And God will, will, will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing time. Lord, just to share from your word. To be reminded, to be encouraged, to be challenged. We just thank you, Lord, for this year. We declare this to be a year of victory in Jesus' name. We declare this year to be a year of your presence. Holy Spirit, fill us and continue to fill us. Continue, Lord, to speak to us as we dedicate our lives to you. We thank you, Jesus, for the church. May we be the light that you've called us to be. May we be the, the voice that shares the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody. And Lord, I just pray that we would, this year we would draw close to you as individuals, as families. Or give us a desire, an intense craving to your word. And may we just come alive spiritually like never before. And we thank you that the rest is blessed by it.